Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Members, order, order, order. Members should put away their black, are not allowed to take photographs in here. Order. Order. That was House of Commons Speaker Jeff Reagan attempting to bring about some order last night after an event that I've never seen. And I've been around Parliament long enough now that I get to call myself an old timer. I've been around Parliament long enough that I've been through three prime ministers full time. And in the part time time, I was going up there four. I've never seen this. I was speaking with Peter Kent on the way out of Parliament last night after all the fracha had died down. Peter Kent is a man who, before he was a, elected a Conservative MP eight years ago, had spent a long time in media. He told me he goes back to Diefenbaker's days. He's covered the provincial legislatures. He's covered around the world. Used to host the national newscasts, I think, on all three networks. So, Peter, have you ever seen anything like this? And the answer is, of course not. I want to hear what you have to say on this, but first allow me to vent a little bit because I haven't had a chance to. I was about to go to the opening of the new offices of Cardis Think Tank here in Ottawa. I'm about to get ready to go when I start getting Twitter messages and emails and people saying, have you seen what happened? You've got to see this. And I couldn't believe my eyes. And then I start watching the House of Commons feed as they're debating What had just transpired of Justin Trudeau getting up, walking across the aisle, grabbing conservative whip and local MP Gord Brown by the arm and dragging him up in the process, elbowing Ruth Ellen Brusso. You know the story by now. But what you may not have heard is Trudeau's first attempt in an apology, I think his later apology was still a non-apology, but asked to get up in the House of Commons When the NDP stood up and go, wait a minute, we can't just go to a vote. We can't just have a vote. By the way, why was Trudeau upset? Why did he go across the hallway? Because the vote was delayed by 45, 46, sorry, 46 seconds. The little dictator was upset that 46 seconds had passed and his legislation, damn it, was not being passed fast enough. Get on it. Don't you know we've got my, my agenda to pass? So he actually got up out of his seat, walked across, grabbed Brown, elbowed Brasso, then went back, started yelling and swearing, saying, get the F out of my way. How's that for the new tone of Parliament? How's that for sunny ways? How's that for showing Parliament and MPs the respect they deserve? Because that's what Trudeau claimed he was going to do. Then when he's called out on his actions, he doesn't own up to it. He actually lies to Parliament. I had noticed uh, that uh, the uh, official opposition whip uh, seemed to be uh, impeded in his progress uh, down the hall. Um, uh, uh, And uh, I felt uh, that this lacked uh, in respect. Uh, for Parliament and indeed for the function uh, that the official opposition uh, whip is uh, endeavouring to uh, uh, deliver on all of our behalf. Uh, So uh, I walked over to encourage 
uh, the member to come through and indeed uh, offered my arm, extended. Respect for Parliament? Offered my arm? Extended my arm? No, you grabbed him. Now, I know that it is unbelievable that liberals are out there defending this. Not everyone on the left, because the NDP is angry at this. One of their members got elbowed in the chest. Let's hear from Peter Julian describing what happened to Ruth Ellen Brosseau. She was actually trying. She wanted to vote. She wasn't able to. Ruth Ellen Brosseau had to leave after she was pushed against the, the table and elbowed or against the desk, and so she needed to collect herself, and she, she had injured? to get out. Um, I, I don't know if she, well, she's certainly shaken up. I don't know if, if she's injured or not, but enough that she had to leave the house. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, in, th- in case you think, you know, because I think it was Greg Fergus from Hull, the liberal from just across the way. I'm sure he's a great feminist like Justin Trudeau, reacting to Ruth Ellen Brasso saying she, you know, needed time to collect herself. He described it as like a Colombian soccer player taking a dive. If you see the video, and the whole video is up at my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, you can see the short amount of time before Trudeau loses his temper. 46 seconds. My goodness, I can't believe it's 46 seconds. I need, why are my people voting? And he goes across. But here's the thing. Ruth Ellen Brasso gets elbowed in the chest. Now, I do not have memory glands like women do. But my understanding is you take a shot there, it hurts. She was also pushed back against the desk behind her. This happens in her workplace, so she leaves the house to go collect herself for a moment. If you're not in your seat when they start calling the names, you don't get to vote. All of that is why a member of parliament was denied her ability to vote because of the actions of the prime minister. But don't just think this is about Elbowgate, as it's being called on Twitter. Hashtag Elbowgate. Why was he manhandling the whip? We'll play a clip for you in a little bit. We'll explain that, and and we'll hear from Andrew Scheer in a couple of moments. There was no need, no need for Trudeau to do this. They didn't need Gord Brown to be in his seat to start the vote. They didn't need any of those MPs to be in their seats to start the vote. But the petulant child that came out of Justin Trudeau could not stand that people were not doing what he wanted them to do. Can we play the clip of of Ronna Ambrose yesterday? Do we have that? Talk, yeah. Let's play that one because we all know what Trudeau said about China. This was said by Ronna Ambrose in the House of Commons hours before this event. And she said it because Trudeau is taking away the ability of the opposition to fully participate in the House of Commons on things like scheduling. He's consolidating power. So before he even threw a hissy fit over members daring to delay him by 46 seconds, here's how Ron Ambrose was describing him in the House. Mr. Speaker, we knew that he admired the basic Chinese dictatorship, but we didn't think he'd actually emulate it. (laughs) And emulate it, he did. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. I'm fit to be tied today. What about you? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. The video I posted last night has been viewed 38,000 times on Facebook, thousands of times elsewhere, plus video coming up at the Rebel. But go to my Facebook page now, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly, and click share.
to spread that far and wide. Back in moments. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Give it to me, I'm worth it. Ah, the divas of Fifth Harmony. You love that sound, don't you? Last night, Justin Trudeau was a little diva, wasn't he? Little, little diva. Ron Ambrose speaking in the House of Commons right now. Let's bring that up for a second uh, before we talk to Andrew Shear. Here she is. Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister has two options. He can continue on his current path of an unprecedented unilateral takeover of the House, to which I can assure him we will not be intimidated into submission or silence. He can work with this House to ensure that we take the appropriate time to study and debate what comes before us by respecting the important role... Conservative leader Ron Ambrose speaking in the House of Commons. This goes far beyond what happened last night, and that's what she's alluding to. We'll get into that in a moment. But right now, Andrew Scheer, former Speaker of the House of Commons, Conservative MP for Regina Capelli, joins me now on the line. Andrew, you were there last night. You were just ahead of Gord Brown when the fracas ensued. What did you see? What did what did you witness? Uh, I, I saw the, the prime minister, uh, you know, very very agitated uh, immediately after the the, uh, the the timer for the the, the bells to, to end. You know, he was is quite uh, uh, worked up, and and he looked over and and when things weren't progressing exactly the way he wanted, at exactly the the pace he wanted, he just stood up, stormed over grabbed our opposition whip, uh, Gord Brown, the MP for Leeds Grenville, and, um, and dragged him through a crowd. And, uh, you know, soon after we learned that in that uh, altercation, he, he, you know, pulled over uh, uh, an NDP female MP, causing her to, to miss a vote. Yeah, because if you're not in your seat when the vote starts, you can't vote. And uh, my understanding is that uh, Madame Rousseau had to head out to collect herself for a moment. Yeah, she, she was quite visibly shaken up. Even when she returned to the chamber after the vote, she was, you know, you could tell she was shaken. And, um, you know, the, the video that I've seen, you know, clearly shows her reacting to, to some kind of contact. She kind of gets bent over uh, the, the, the desk and, and grimaces and, uh, and kind of uh, walks well, away. I mean, and can you blame her? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. I think you're actually taller than me. Speaking with Andrew Shear, Conservative MP for Regina Capel. We're both about the size of Justin Trudeau, but, you know, one of your co-workers hits you in your place of work. You've got two options. You, you can hit them back, which most people aren't going to do. Or if you don't, you're going to be you're going to be all tense. You're going to be thrown off your game for a bit. You're going to be rattled. I mean, first of all, I, 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 there's every possibility that she was winded. You know, you take a blow to the, the, the midsection like that and. It's quite possible that she, you know, had to physically collect herself. And then you're right, you're, you're rattled. You know, you're, you're trying to process what just happened. And, and you know, keep in mind, the, the prime minister is a tall guy, and, and he, was, he had a good head of steam on him. He was charging over, mm-hmm. um, and he was quite intent on, on, on having a physical interaction. You know, he, he, you could tell he had just kind of snapped. And, uh, and, and then he went back and started swearing at people. Yeah, and then, and, you know. I mean, I'm not making it up. Even CBC is reporting that. No, no, and that—that's the part that, that is so bizarre to me is you know, going back over a second time and kind of 
having a second altercation. This one a little bit more verbal than, than physical, but it was just it was just completely. I, I you know you, you try to find words, you try to compare it to things. There's nothing to compare it to. I've never seen a prime minister, the prime minister of a G7 country, you know, the the right honourable in in the chamber uh, after campaigning on doing things differently and raising the tone and working with opposition, and he literally goes over and physically. Uh, obstructs and 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 physically uh, interacts with other members of parliament. It's just bizarre. You were speaker in the last parliament, and speakers are supposed to be by nature nonpartisan. So please put on your your old speaker hat again, your old tricorn hat, <laughs> and tell me: is the tone better or worse than the last parliament? I I, I can tell honestly, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in all uh, sincerity and neutrality. What's happened in the last two weeks it has just been a massive shift from what was up until this point a, a pretty cooperative approach. You know, we, we we don't support their legislation. They're doing things we wouldn't do. We're, we're voting against their bills. But the House leaders and the whips were trying to manage the, the chamber in such a way that it was respectful and had a decent tone. About two weeks ago, the the Liberals started playing some games. They, they were... Uh, taking days away from the opposition, mixing up the order in which they call bills. You know, this is all just makes it so difficult to be an effective opposition because you don't know what you're going to be debating, you know, in the next hour. Uh, and so we, we felt it was affecting our ability to do our job. Then on Monday, they almost lost a vote. And from that moment on, you know, they had a tie vote with the majority government. They weren't expecting it. They got caught shorthanded. And from that moment on, they've all been on tilt. You know, it's a poker expression when you get rattled and you, and you play on tilt. You make poor decisions. You let the emotions get the, the, your emotions get the best of you. They brought in this anti-democratic uh, motion. Phil is in on this thing to do with the schedule. Help me yeah. understand that. So, so normally, you know, House leaders meet and we say, okay, on Tuesday we're going to call this bill. On Wednesday we'll debate that bill. And it allows the opposition to be effective. Our critics can can prepare. We can uh, the MPs that have an interest on the issue can prepare speeches and, and examine evidence. That, that that's all been taken away from us. So you know, any morning we find out about uh, you know five minutes before the house starts what we're going to be debating, and we have to scramble and and and, and react. And that's just rude. So it, it's always been that they bring the parties together to determine what's going to be debated the next week, right? Exactly. Even, even in the worst moments of the previous parliament, the conservative House leader never did that to the opposition. We always had the decency to, uh, at the very at least a week at a time. You know, we, 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 you know, when things broke down, it may have been more difficult to provide two weeks' notice, but at least a week at a time. We're not even getting that. So then Monday comes along, and uh, there was a, a, an unexpected vote, but we were there. We had our members at work on a Monday at noon. Uh, about a quarter of the Liberal caucus weren't there. They're off doing other things. And uh, and they almost lost a vote on a piece of government legislation. And from that moment on, they have just been reacting like uh, with with vindictiveness and out of spite. They brought in a motion yesterday that basically takes away every tool the opposition has to hold the government to account. It's it's yeah. a, it's, it's a motion to suspend certain rules that give the opposition tools. And this is just completely anti-democratic. And then, of course, last night, you know, everybody else was calm. You know, the, the mood, what's so funny about it, not funny, it's, it's, it's a very uh, tragic situation. But the, the irony is that the, 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 the chamber was calm. It's normal for, for people to have conversations. It normally takes a few seconds after the, the bells stop ringing for mm-hmm. men to take their seats. You know, I think if you look at the tape, it was about a 20-second delay. It was four, 46, I counted. Okay, 46. Four, 46 Three. seconds, but regardless, and we got to leave here. It's not his job. That's and what the that, speaker's that's for. Not his job.
job. It's the Speaker's job. It's his whip job. He's the Prime Minister of Canada. He should be more concerned about running the country than if uh, a vote starts now or 46 seconds from now. All right. Andrew Shear, Conservative MP for Regina Capel, former Speaker of the House of Commons. Thanks for your time, Andrew. Thanks very much, Brian. Want to hear from you? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Call now. The next while, all we're doing is taking your calls, your reaction on this, and playing audio that you need to hear. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, News Talk 580 CFRA. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580CFRA. Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, is standing in the House of Commons last night after giving two non-apologies last night. He is standing and saying that, well, people expect better behavior from me. Let's listen in for a bit. And the concerns of Canadians deserve to be heard fully, respectfully, clearly, and precisely. Speaker, the way that members behave in this House is important. It's important because we are here to serve Canadians, and Canadians deserve to have their concerns expressed fully and fairly in a direct and dignified manner. I know. And I regret that my behavior yesterday failed to meet this standard. I also believe that the work that we do here is important, and I know that Canadians are looking to us for leadership on a range of serious issues in this House. Thank you for your time and consideration. Well, he's in best drama teacher mode, sounding contrite. But I want to take you back to last night, right after this happened, when he was called on the carpet by members of the opposition and given not one but two chances to apologize. Did he? He should have just fessed up then and said, you know what, sorry, guys, I, I don't know what came over me. I overreacted to something that was bothering me. I'm sorry. This would still be a story, but it would have been downplayed. Instead, he gave two non-apologies, and then I was there as he walked by the media with that smug, arrogant smirk on his face and refused to take questions. But let me just, before we get to your calls, and if you want to join the conversation, it's 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or email me beyondthenews at CFRA.com. But when given a chance last night, to have a true mea culpa, did he do it? Was he man enough to do it? No. I had noticed uh, that uh, the uh, official opposition whip uh, seemed to be uh, impeded in his progress uh, down the hall. Um, uh, uh, And uh, I felt uh, that this lacked uh, in respect uh, for Parliament and indeed for the function uh, that the official opposition uh, whip is uh, endeavouring to uh, uh, deliver on all of our behalf. Uh, so uh, I walked over to encourage uh, the member to come through and indeed uh, offered my arm, extended. Offered his arm, extended. He was, uh, Gord Brown and, and the NDP weren't showing the respect Parliament deserves. 
His first instinct wasn't to apologize. His first instinct wasn't to say, I did something wrong. It was to lie. So now after Jerry Butts told him what to do, he's standing up and saying in his best drama teacher voice that he acted inappropriately. Hmm. I'm not sure I'm buying it. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Mike in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Hello? Hello, Mike. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, I saw that uh, video, too. You know, this doesn't surprise me because we got a gentleman who talks, he talks, he talks to you, but he, he's talking down to you as he's doing this. Oh, he's, completely. He's, he's so arrogant and self-righteous. It's, it's pathetic. And uh, I still scratch my head that he got in, but he's he's there now, and he's and now he's talking about uh, changing our electrical uh, election system that existed for 150 years, and we're recognized as one of the most uh, one of the best countries in the do- democracies in the world. He's talking about changing that. He's now he's talking about the House of Commons taking away some of their powers with the opposition. This guy is just a he's a little dictator, and that's a, and he finally showed his true colors. And, and, and I, I don't think that it's an exaggeration to say that he's acting that way, Mike. No, he's 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 finally show he's he's finally showing his true colors. I just hope that uh, I can understand the younger people voting for him, but uh, you know I'm a bit older, and I heard the I heard his spiels and everything else, and the kumbaya stuff, and I realized you know that doesn't exist in the real world. And I can understand young younger people buying it because. You know, when you're younger, you're a lib- you know you're liberal at heart, and you want the kumbaya stuff. But uh, as you get older, reality starts to, and real life starts to set in. You got to pay bills and everything else. And this guy, he's he's on another planet. And I'm well, sorry. You mentioned dictatorship. Let me just uh, rhyme off a couple of things here. Well, I mean, first off, there's what he said about China. Let's listen to that. Mr. Speaker, we knew that he admired the basic Chinese no, no, dictatorship. Hold on. Stop, stop the level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China, um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them. Uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. That was an answer, Mike, to a planted question at a liberal fundraiser. And when I say planted, I mean they submitted their questions in advance. He knew what they were going to ask, and the question was, what country do you admire most other than Canada? And the answer was China and their basic dictatorship. It allows them to go green fast, which, of course, they're not doing. But what's he doing here, Mike? You're right. He's taking away the opposition's ability to to participate in the scheduling of the House. He's taking away the ability of members of parliament to debate because he's closing off debate. He's invoking closure more often and faster than the, the conservatives ever did. He is stacking a committee on electoral reform. With his own people, he is refusing to have a referendum on this. And then yesterday, when a vote didn't happen fast enough, not even a minute of delay, and he stands up and drags people around. It's it's unbelievable. And, you know, and I understand that he's probably just going to get a slap in the wrist of this. But, I, geez, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I think uh, personally, and, and I'm trying trying to be, 
if Harper pulled something like this, they'd be asking for his resignation right now. But of course, they're not going to ask for his. Would what would happen in your workplace? What would happen if I went into the newsroom and I see Christy Cameron and Allison Sandor sitting over there? What if I grabbed one of them and started dragging them to where I wanted them to go? You'd be fired. Exactly. Thanks for the call, Mike. Okay, bye. Let's go to Kathy in Richmond. Kathy, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, good uh, morning. Um, I uh, took a peek at all the uh, video and, and the different comments, um, you know, on CBC and, and other locations. And I listened to his uh, uh, supposed uh, apology, which was a bunch of BS as far as I was concerned, Um I don't. Re- I, I've listened to you know. I I, I sort of keep track of the House of Commons. You know the stuff that happens in there. I have never ever heard of any sitting prime minister who has ever done anything like that ever. No. I, I just I, I like in the House of Commons. You know, I'm I'm not saying that you know Prime Minister Kretschmann didn't do the whatever they the call that. The Shawinigan handshake. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that was outside and. You know, he's doing this to a coworker, and I know some people have said if your boss did that to you or your manager, he's not their boss. He is one when he is in that house. He is one member of parliament as prime minister. He gets certain privileges for speaking first or he gets to go longer, but he is still one among equals. Precisely. And the thing is, if you watch the if you watch the video and you watch the body language, it's. It's sort of a dead giveaway that he was really annoyed that you know you didn't you wouldn't even have to um, hear the voice you could just tell by the body language. But the other thing that surprised me is that when they showed him where he came back again and he looked like he was going to try and follow the NDP member and, and try and apologize or whatever he was trying to do at the time. Well, you and know, then he, he, came he ended back, up yelling then and everybody and... all of a sudden it was like. It was like they thought that there was going to be a big, you know, brawl or something, and all the all the liberal MPs started coming out onto the floor. It was like, it was like, you know, what you see if you look at the Ukrainian Parliament. They've had stupid things like that happen, or some of the other ones in in in, in Europe. I, it was, I I could not believe what I was seeing there. I mean, that that has such a potential to escalate because of everybody coming together like that. It it just didn't make any sense. All right, Kathy, thanks for the call. Let's listen into a bit more of Justin Trudeau. He's just sitting down, but there is debate going on in the House of Commons right now uh, in respect of what he said and his apology. Are the opposition taking it? Let's listen into Rana Ambrose. Responsibly and together. I don't know how we can do that unless he removes this motion that he has on, on the order paper. Mr. Speaker, he's stripping the opposition of our jobs. We have a job to do in this House, and we take it seriously. And if he truly respects the role of opposition and the role of every member of this House, then he has to withdraw the motion. Right Honourable Prime Minister. Uh, I thank the member opposite for her for question and for her uh, strong and measured statement uh, earlier this morning. Um, as I uh, highlighted, I think it's important uh, that we uh, draw a clear line uh, between uh, what was uh, my unacceptable behaviour uh, and the general tone of this House. Uh, the escalation uh, and the tone of this House does not uh, lead to any uh, justification uh, of 
uh, my actions, and I accept that fully. Uh, and as I have said, I look forward uh, to working with uh, the members opposite and all members in this House to improve the way uh, that uh, we function uh, and ensure that people can be heard on the serious issues of the day that Canadians expect us uh, not just to discuss but to move forward on. Okay, let, let's keep that going right now. Justin Trudeau asked, asked to, to do much, away with the motion uh, that strips Speaker, the uh, uh, strips the opposition the of their ability to take part in scheduling, to know what's coming uh, up for debate, Speaker, to prepare for debate so that they can answer government bills. And, and, and he just says essentially no, because he didn't answer Ron Ambrose's question. Peter Kent, Conservative MP for Thornhill, longtime broadcaster up right now. Uh, we'll take a break now. More of your calls coming up. You want to join the conversation. It's 521-TALK, 521-8255. You've seen the video. You've heard the audio. You've heard the apology. What do you say now? I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Beyond the News at CFRA.com is the email. In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Do you know what that is? That's the sound of liberal MPs clapping, clapping as Justin Trudeau went over and was roughing up fellow MPs. He manhandled them. He did not allegedly, and unfortunately we keep hearing this term, allegedly. We keep hearing it in newscast. I see it in a headline right now at the London Free Press. Let go of me now, allegedly manhandled Tory MP Brown told Trudeau. There's no allegation. We can all see the video. The speaker called it manhandling. It's insanity. Kyle in the West End. Do I have the right button? Kyle, you're on Beyond the News. Hey, good morning, B-Lil. How you doing? Oh, fit to be tied today. I hear you, buddy. First time, long time. Glad to be on. So what, what's your thoughts on this, Kyle? You, you know what, B-Lil? I got to tell you, I'm no, I'm no liberal, no, no Trudeau supporter, but uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, as angry about uh, what happened as everybody else seems to be. I think uh, what, what, what much- would happen at your work if you, uh, if you did well, this? You, you know what? We work uh, real men jobs over here. We don't hang out in no offices. So if we're out in the, you know, construction space and people are uh, screwing the pooch, you either pack up and hit the bricks or, or get back to work. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. So, uh, Kyle, my I don't support Justin Trudeau, but grabbing other MPs is fine. Friend, uh, how is this acceptable in the House of Commons ever? How? You know, because I, uh, you just want to walk past this and whistle past it. What would you be saying if Stephen Harper had grabbed another MP and elbowed no, another one and then hey, went let, that back and told them to get that out of his way? Let me tell you, I don't support any grandstanding and hot dogging. I know it was only a minute, but we're not paying these people to hobnob. Get to work. Uh, that is same, that same is pa- with- that is part of their work protesting the fact that the government is taking away their ability to seriously consider legislation. The the job of an MP, the job of an MP is not to clap and jump when the prime minister says, 
now. Your job is not to say how high, sir. No, their I job hear you, is to the job represent is not us. To hobnob either, you know. It was, and it, I, it I was a you, protest. I hear you. It, I hear you as a protest. They could have done it other ways. Uh, clearly, how Trudeau the had... government is shutting down every avenue they have, and now they're even taking away their ability to know what's on the schedule. I hear you. I hear you. But we always complain about too much gridlock, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, maybe coming up with avenues of uh, smalling the swell of gridlock, which we have. We, we don't. We problem. don't have gridlock. That happens in Washington. It doesn't happen here, Kyle. Uh, great to hear from you. Call sooner. We love to have liberals on the program. Uh, I want to hear from you. 521-TALK, 521-8255. You're on the the line now. We'll get on you. You want to join the conversation, please do. And email beyondthenews at CFRA.com. But if you call up with ridiculous stuff like that and you don't understand the system, yeah, I'm going to take you on. Some days... The resistance verges on rebellion. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. The level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green and as now, fast as we need to start. And know, now Justin Trudeau's solar. basic dictatorship I mean, is allowing him to... Um, Take over the House of Commons. If you think I'm exaggerating, let me explain this a little bit. This is not just about Elbowgate. This is not just about him manhandling. It's why he manhandled them. It's why he was swearing at MPs to get the F out of his way. The vote wasn't going fast enough for him. It was delayed by 46 whole seconds. Goodness gracious me. He's got a motion up for vote that all liberal MPs are going to vote for that takes away the ability of the opposition to have a say in how things are scheduled to know what will be debated what will be up in the house of commons he's invoking closure on debate faster and more often than the conservatives he's minimizing the effect the ability of the opposition to have a full say in electoral reform and he is adamant that the canadian public will not have a say but he and his party will This is the new way. This is the new sunny ways, people. This is part of a pattern. This is not just about an elbow, an inadvertent elbow, that he wouldn't have inadvertently, this is the excuse from the liberals, well, he didn't mean to do it. Yeah, but he did. And when your kids hit each other, even if they didn't mean to, you hit somebody, you apologize right away, not the next day after you gave two, I'm sorry if my actions may have. Unreal. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Shirley in Nepean. Shirley, you're on Beyond the News. Yes. I am disgusted with Prime Minister Trudeau's behavior in the House of Commons. He is supposed to represent Canada, and I am ashamed to have seen this. I'm a proud Canadian, and if this happened in the House of Uh, in the House, how does he behave with his cabinet behind closed doors? This is definitely not acceptable to Canadians. The House of Commons is sacred and precious to us. He, he is, as I said earlier, one MP among many when he's in the House. And, and, and so people can't say, well, it, it's like your boss did this to you. No, it's like a co-worker did this to you. 
and they, I they, this would not accept that. He, he wouldn't accept that in the public service, would he? I, I worked in the public service. So if you did this when you worked in the public service, Shirley, what would have happened to you if you happened to grab the woman at the next office to drag her in somewhere and you were hitting other people and yelling and cursing as you were doing it? <laughs> it would be a union matter. Yeah, there there would at least be some discipline, correct? Well, definitely there would be discipline. And and this this is just not acceptable like this has gone worldwide. Mhm. And can Canadians hold their heads high and be proud of this country with this behavior in 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 parliament? And, and what do you think of all this attempts? I mean, he they used to stand up and rail against the Conservatives forever shutting down debate. Every government, as I've said before, has used closure. It's a standard parliamentary procedure. There's nothing wrong with using closure. But when you're using it on every bill and you're doing it in a very uh, fast way, I mean, sometimes MPs will complain a bill, uh, you know, just because they don't want the bill to pass, they'll be saying, well, I mean, you're invoking closure. Well, they've been debating it for 20 days. It's been at committee, all of this. They, you know, everyone has had a say. With the assisted suicide legislation, you have MPs from in all the opposition parties on both sides. But you've got both sides saying this is a flawed bill. We need to fix it. They're not trying to stop assisted suicide in Canada. They're saying we've got to fix it because it's a flawed bill and he just wants to shove it through. Well, what does that say? Who do we have for a prime minister? We've prime got... Minister Trudeau? <laughs> Thanks for the call, Shirley. Thank you. Let's go to uh, June. June in uh, Westboro. You're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Hello. I just want to say this is a big ploy. This is a big uh, uh, announcement from Trudeau. He did that on purpose. Why, why do you say it's a ploy? Because he wants more, you know, the more he's in the news, the more he's in the focus, the better he gets. And, and you guys don't even know that. So you think this is about making him look better? You think that the public will oh, will love this yeah. and embrace him for it? Well, look at his father. When he got mad and he said, this is the way it's going to be done. And Trudeau's, the new Trudeau is doing the same thing. But he's making a stance. So he can get publicity. Yeah, there could be some truth in that, June. Uh, you know, what's just what's uh, Pierre Trudeau's most famous phrase? Uh, just watch me. Just watch me. And do you know what that was in an answer to? Oh gosh, I would live Tra- there. Tra- yeah, trampling, I lived in that time. But but he was asked about trampling civil rights, civil liberties, yeah. and he said, "Just watch me." And and yet you will have liberals today stand up and say they believe in the charter and they believe in civil liberties and they believe in rights. And, and, yeah, Trude- right. and Trudeau's their Pierre Trudeau's their hero for saying, just watch me how far I'll go to trample them. Hey, wait a minute, dear. Isn't that what I just said? I think Justin's doing the same he, thing. He, he might be. But I, this is something that I don't think we can stand for. 
No. Not, not only the behavior, no. not only the behavior last night, June, but the no. attempt to take away the ability of the opposition to do their job when he was elected, saying, "Let's have a more respectful tone. Let's give MPs the power and respect they deserve." So, well, you know what I don't understand is why they didn't shut him down. <laughs> well, I think the speaker should have thrown him out, but I'll get into that in a moment. Thanks for the call, June. Let's go to Stanley in Ottawa. Stanley, you're on Beyond right, the I'm News. I'm going to uh, approach this in a little bit different uh, situation here, this unacceptable behavior towards these two MPs yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you've missed it or not, or other your listeners have missed it, but for the last two consecutive nights on the farcical political comedy show, The Daily Show, mm-hmm. Prime Minister has been interviewed and presented as such a wise and modern thinking on a very serious issue as a Syrian refugee compared to how the Americans and others have been using it. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder how they're going to cover this tonight, uh, tonight in all the talk shows. Are they going to keep making jokes as it being just a Canadian hockey elbowing term? Are they going to treat it as an unsafe treatment of a woman and a man in a workplace? And I, I would be interested to see. And by the way, if it, you it, notice... It, it would be interesting today, to instead see. Instead of having his pretty, coiffed, blown hair, it was loaded down with dark gel. Another point I just happened to notice, they're so full. I, I didn't notice that last night, and I was feet away from them. Yes. So uh, let, let, let me say this. Uh, I know people love to make a big deal of The Daily Show, but their ratings, they're not that big. They get talked about more than they get watched. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays on CBS Evening News, ABC Evening News. BBC has already been covering this. What about Fox News, where Bill O'Reilly will probably talk about it? He gets 3 million viewers a night, far more than The Daily Show ever could or would. Uh, MSNBC, uh, CNN, they're all going to be talking about it. It's all over websites in the States. So, you know, hey, Canada's back. He's making us look good on the international stage. But the bigger problem here, Stanley, is that he is violating the rights of parliamentarians to exactly. do their job. It should be. We should be concerned more about Mr. Brown and Ms. Brazo and Mr. Trudeau in this situation. Thanks for the call. Thank you. David in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Yeah, before I get to Trudeau, I think the people who are most happy about all this is the uh, provincial liberals. Because with their announcement or with, with the uh, Auditor General's report yesterday about the $80 million given to the union's no strings attached, all of a sudden... Uh, public discourse discuss the discourse is uh, deflected from them. So they're pretty happy. Yeah, about they it. probably are. Hey, Justin, thanks for throwing one for the team. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm as disgusted as anybody else, and I think more than we've got to look beyond this down the road. It doesn't bode well for how he's going to treat any discussion on uh, electoral reform, or how he's going to proceed with that, or limit debate or do anything else. It, he's got his eye on the prize at the end of the road, and he's going to get there by hook or by crook, and he doesn't care. And if we think it's going to be a fair and honest debate about this, we're sorely wrong. Uh, that, I, I, I think you're right, and I think that's why the opposition parties have to unite and say no. I think the Canadian people have to unite and say no. Call your local MP. Too bad, we, too bad we don't have an impeachment here. Uh, um, uh, there there are tools that could happen, but unfortunately, it would require the uh, uh, support of the liberals. And you saw, you've seen it. They applauded him for what he did last night. Liberal MPs applauded that despicable behavior. He doesn't speak well when he's caught off uh, off off topic or off off uh, 
the, the prepared notes. It's like uh, I'm I'm uh, sorry if uh, uh, my unintended actions accidental had consequences not not in, intended by me. And he can't he can't speak worth a damn. How did he become a drama teacher? He can't even speak worth how. Well, w- w- when you're on script, it's easy. Thanks for the call, Dave. Take care. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Phone lines are, is a few available? We're going to get to everyone, so hang on. I knew there'd be lots of people wanted to talk about this tonight. You can also email me, beyondthenews at cfra.com. We will read off a bunch of those shortly. And, of course, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Hit share on that video. To you, he's rebellious. To official Ottawa, he's disdainfully insubordinate. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Order, 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 order. It is not appropriate to manhandle other members. That is the speaker. So when people say allegedly manhandled or whatever, well, you know, just know that the speaker's already said it. But Zadek is calling or writing in and saying, hello, Brian, I saw the video of Trudeau this morning. Let's not blow this out of proportion. My God, I'm happy to see a prime minister. No way to politician showing himself to be human for a change. Aren't you sick of politicians behaving unhuman all the time? All right. So if it's human to manhandle people. Email me back your address. I'll come by. We'll throw you around at your workplace and see how you feel about it. Is that a good deal, Zadok? Because I don't think you'd be happy if one of your coworkers was doing that to you. And this is the Prime Minister of Canada, for goodness sakes. Bill in Toronto. You're on Beyond the News. Hello. Hi, Bill. <laughs> Long-time listener. Um, I follow you on every media. Anyways. Oh, thank you. Here. Here it is, you know, the layers are coming off the uh, the onion here. You know, this is exactly who they are. You know, this is kind of like, you know, you got the son-in-law and you kind of look at him, you don't really feel comfortable. What's he doing to your daughter? This is, <laughs> and this is, this is 150 days into it. The drama hasn't even begun yet. We've got a singing uh, wife. You know, we got this irate guy who is going to change the world with his sunny ways, right? Change the whole discourse of the way things with the way we do business. Well, boy, is he ever changing it? You know, it's disgusting. And and it's change. I mean, people will 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 just want to talk about what happened last night. Last night is an an incident that's indicative of the entire disrespect for Parliament that this man showing while being elected on a I-will-do-things-differently platform. Well, just think, what was he doing the day before? He was going on about transgendered rights, how enlightened we are, how respectful, how... He won't even give MPs their rights. But but no, that's what I'm saying. One day he's telling Canadians to think, you know, don't believe what's in your head. You need to think the way we do because we're morally superior. And the next day he's physically assaulting people in the House of Commons. If I conducted myself in that way in my workplace, I would be fired without a doubt. Well, I, I, I'm going to go test that theory here in the news break and, uh, and throw around some people in the newsroom just for fun. I mean, <laughs> see, it's, it's 2016, Bill. Thanks for the call. 
Let's go to Anne in Ottawa. Anne, you're on Beyond the News. Oh, my God. I, I love when people phone and they say, well, I'm no Trudeau supporter, but... And then they go on and say things to say, oh, whatever he did was acceptable. Yeah, the trial um, was a fake call. Oh, come on. And there's so many of them that do it. Uh, like, do they think conservatives are stupid or what? Yeah, I mean, they do. They're the dumb ones. And, they... and to the bigger picture here of Trudeau's overall behavior, mm-hmm. not only the manhandling, but mm-hmm. the way he's dealing with okay. the House of Commons. Your Here's thoughts. what I think, but with all the stuff that I'm hearing, um, the impression, like I, I like to go with my first impression. What we saw was very undignified behavior in the person who is our prime minister. And you would think you would expect better behavior than something you'd see in a rowdy bar, like a fight after the bar. What has what he got, a new job? He's, he's a bouncer or what? He used to be a bouncer. Well, there you go. He can use that money to pay for an assistant for uh, <laughs> for, for Sophie. But, um, you know, you can... You can say things, but I don't go by what people say. I go by what they do. And him saying, oh, he's going to be transparent and it's going to be, there's going to be a new civility in Parliament and everything like this. I mean, getting, stalking off like, like somebody took your crayons with like a bunch of little kids. What, what I saw was that was a tantrum. He was crabby. It, it he, completely was. 46-second delay, and that's the response? I mean, for God's sakes, you know, it's bad enough. Like, I'm going to be just irate if we don't get to vote on that other thing, on the electoral reform. I'm just going to be irate. But, you know, you can't shut down discourse. It has to happen. And people have to start waking up and stop excusing this guy. They really well, do. Unfortunately, Anne, I'm hearing it. I was hearing it online mm-hmm. last night. Mm-hmm. As I was reporting it from the foyer of the House of Commons, and I, I was up there all night. I left my bunker office about twelve, twelve thirty last night. Uh, I was getting pushback on uh, online over this. Today, I'm being told, "Oh, you guys are overreacting." No, no, go watch the video. Thanks for the call, in. Okay, bye. Facebook.com/slash Brian Lilly if you want to see the video. It's also up at CFRA's Facebook page as well. Posted that before I left last night. Oh, I need coffee. I need sleep. Maybe an egg McMuffin. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Every revolution starts with a rebel. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Get to this point. Would you see red? We're just wondering, sir. Could you just give us a word or two of your emotional state? How did you get to this, sir? How did you get to this? Oh, and he just walks away. Walk away, Renee. Walk away, Renee. That's what he's doing there. Justin Trudeau with an arrogant smile, as literally feet from him last night as he came down the stairs. And I don't know, foolishly, some of us that were waiting around thought, there's a, been a big incident. Maybe he'll stop at the bottom where all the cameras are. Is there with my camera? Is next to the guys from CTV and the other networks, and we're ready. And now he just walked by with a big, arrogant, smirking grin on his face and refused to take questions. Because, I mean, he's Justin Trudeau. He doesn't need to take questions, he doesn't need to answer to anybody. Helen in Westboro, you're on Beyond the News. Well, 
I think uh, those who called uh, Thomas Mulcair Angry Tom and Stephen Harper mean should take a good look at uh, Sunny Ways Justin. Well, I, I'm I'm actually the one that gave Tom Mulcair the nickname Angry Tom, and it can apply at times, but he's learned to control his temper. Yes, but he's never manhandled anybody. I've never seen that. I I thought we might come to blows one day, <laughs> but we, we never did because we were able to disagree and respect each other. Well... Sure. That's what debate is about. But mm-hmm. I guess uh, Trudeau doesn't know about debate in Parliament. I think he should be called Petulant Little Prince. <laughs> that anyway. sounds about right. Yeah, so. that sounds about but, right. But do you do you see what myself and others are getting at, that this is part of a pattern when it comes to his actual respect or lack thereof for democracy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he thinks he's the, the leader of North Korea going to have Dennis Rodman coming to sing happy birthday to him next. <laughs> oh, there's an image I don't want. <laughs> no, and his motion six, they should deep six that. Thanks for the call, Helen. Bye. Let's go to Gloria in Ottawa. Gloria, you're on uh, Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Oh, I just want to make a few points if I can. First yeah, of go all, ahead. thank you. Um, true. I mean, he's starting to run this uh, country like it's a, ta- a dictatorship, and we are losing our democracy. And, you know, um, he's deliberately, deliberately silencing the votes of, uh, or the, sorry, the votes, the voice of the opposition parties to ask questions and hold this government to account. And, and, you know, the thing is, it's rather a slap in the face uh, to the voters because by silencing their, vo- their voices, he's, he's, uh, Trudeau was saying, you know, telling us all that the, our votes don't count. That, that is the bigger issue. You know, yes, exactly. That's the bigger issue is that between the, the motion to, to do away with consulting the opposition on the schedule, mm-hmm, exactly. invoking closure faster, more often, saying no to a, uh, a referendum on electoral reform, stacking the committee. And it, last night, why did he go over and manhandle him? Because the opposition dared use what little tactic they have left, which is to delay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're being stopped on everything else, so they delay 46 seconds, and he loses his collectivist little mind. Well, exactly. And the thing is, his bully, bully-like uh, tactics, I mean, uh, in Parliament, for all the world to see, I mean, he is insulting uh, the position of the Prime Ministership of Canada. Well, you know, I, I, th- I think it, it, it demeans the office of the Prime Minister. It's beneath him. As a person, it's beneath him as a member of parliament, and it's beneath the off- office of the prime minister. Exactly, and and uh, one of the, one of the clips that you you uh, played was uh, uh, showing his henchmen all the the clapping, the loud round of clapping when Trudeau would dare walk over and 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 strut and, and push his weight around. Uh, when when he had he had grabbed the uh, the house whip uh, PC house whip, you know it's just I mean it's 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 gotten really childish and un- un- unbearable and embarrassing yeah. to have them c- counted as representatives. I, I can't believe that they were they were cheering and applauding that. Exactly. All right, it thanks. Shows the mentality. Thanks for the call, Gloria. Thank you. Michelle in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Have Hi, you, Brian. How much time do I have? I want to start well, with some fun and get to something serious. Let, let, let me just uh, give out the phone numbers again if people want to join the conversation. It's 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Graham on Twitter is saying that we need to move on, but there's still lots of people that want to talk. So 
And I just gave out the phone lines because it's the first time in more than an hour that there's open phone lines. All right, go, Michelle. Well, I was just imagining last night in the bedroom at the Trudeau home, and I'm sure she sang him a song, and it went like this. Justin, uh-huh, uh-huh, can you not see? Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> when you behave like that there, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, they don't want to pay for my hair. Okay, well, it was funnier in my head, okay. but anyway. An that's earlier that's caller not really named working. Kathy, an earlier caller named Kathy phoned, and, and she, she alluded to something that was really quite uh, obvious and brilliant. The... Catherine McKenna and Hanjit Singh, and there was another lady, too. Like, the, the gang came down. It was like, you fight me, you fight my gang mentality. For what? Like, they're MPs. Like, behave in a professional manner. Why are you backing him? It's not a bar. We're not at the Shadir Hotel. You know, we're not going to start swinging chairs. It's, yeah. It's, and who is the lady at the end? I, can't, I don't know who she is, but in the video, she has a, a sleeveless dress on, and she's adjusting her dress, and then she puts her hands on her hip. She's one of the liberal MPs, but I don't know who she is. Uh, I'd have to go through and see. Okay, well, it's at the end. So, but but I can tell you at the, the, the moment, end of the one that I posted. No, I think it was CBC. I saw several clips. It was towards the end, though. Kathy alluded to it earlier. So he's already apologized. He's left, and now he's come back. But when he comes back, his MPs step down and they come. And it yeah, is I clear. mean, I, I'm going. Oh, it's uh, Christian Freeland. Okay, well, I just looking now. I mean, the the liberals followed him over like it was a bench clearing brawl in hockey. Exactly, exactly. It was uh, like they, a bar fight. But yeah, that woman and and, and, she... and they're still defending him. I mean, Roger Kuzner, who's been around, as he said, oh, I've only been around for sixteen years. Yesterday, uh, he's blaming the NDP for what his prime minister did, for what his leader did. Listen, it, the whole thing, that uh, Ruth uh, Alan Brazo there, she takes an elbow. She takes it, and you can see by her face she's shocked and she's in pain. So, so when you listen to Trudeau's explanation of what he says he did, did and when you watch what actually happened, he makes himself a clear liar. And the other thing is we're all forgetting the big F word. Somebody who's had such a beautiful education, can't they come up with better words than that? That's not prime ministerial behavior. It's so sad. And all I can think about is the election night when Mr. Oliver did his character assassination on Mr. Harper. And I think, where are all these people now? Because Mr. Harper, in his darkest moment, never behaved so lowbrow and classless. No. No. And, it, and, and yet, if you read all the social media, the liberals are defending him. This is wonderful. And this is all great. And this is, it's going to take many, many more of these uh, uh, performances on his part to actually get those people. They're like abused women. They're just, you know, they're in love with the wrong guy, well, somebody, and they don't want to see it. Somebody compared it to, to Trump supporters or Obama supporters. It doesn't matter what their guy does. They're going to defend it. Thanks for the call, Michelle. You're welcome. And we can't be like that. We, you know, I, I sat there trying to think because people play that game. Well, what if Stephen Harper did this? I can't think of a single conservative MP that's ever behaved like that. Ever. So, well, would you defend him? I, I don't have to think about that. It's never happened. I've never seen a liberal MP behave like that. And it shouldn't matter which party it is. If Stephen Harper did this, I would be saying that this is unacceptable behavior beneath the prime minister. And being elected while trying to say that you are going to uh, give Parliament the respect and the time it deserves, you're going to give MPs respect, you're going to give them back power. No, you're taking it all away. 
and then you throw a hissy fit when they delay you and your agenda by 46 seconds. Chuck in Van Cleek Hill, you're on Beyond the News. How you doing, Brian? Thanks for taking my call. I'm doing well. What's up? Where are you hey, standing uh, on I, this? I think we should be feeling a little sorry for the prime minister because uh, I'm an immigrant up here from the States, and a friend of mine emailed me yesterday and said that he, he knew that Trudeau was going to be upset because there was something coming around that he was going to be eliminated from Sophie's team. And, you know, that, that was just you know going to drive everybody crazy, you know what I mean? And, and then the other thing was that he's really just pandering to the millennials. When they don't get their way, they smash windows, they set cars on fire. So, I mean, what you have up here is essentially what we have in the States with uh, Obama in there. I mean, you have a community organizer that, you know, hardly held a job uh, doing anything. And all of a sudden he's projected by the liberal newspapers and everything, liberal media, and put in the White House. And, and who's going down to see Obama all the time? Don't you think that Sophie's getting, uh, you know, some pep talks, uh, you know, from the, from the wife uh, of uh, President Obama? You know, I mean, they all talk about this stuff. And I, I think, you know, anything that's happening or anything like that here, just look at the states and what's happened there. And you guys are in for a big trip. It's not um, going to be fun. No, I mean, I don't think you voted him in, essentially. I think the vote was against Harper. Well, so, words, so they, do I. Governments defeat themselves quite often. The first time Stephen Harper won, it was because people were voting against Martin. Right. And, and then he won uh, in 2008 and 2011. He won because people said, OK, you're doing a good job. It, Justin Trudeau won because people wanted to get rid of Stephen Harper. They would have backed Tom Mulcair. They were going to, and then Mulcair imploded. But they were they were willing to put Mulcair in because they just wanted rid of Stephen Harper. But he is acting in an imperial fashion now that he's in there. Well, and and sure. that's the bigger issue. Yeah, I'm not sure Sophie's problem. I think she really wears the pants in that family. Uh, I'm not and sure. That really I'm gets him upset. Not sure know? about that. Thanks for the call, Chuck. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Um, you know, it, one MP was just up in the House, Todd Doherty, pointing out that it's not the first time Trudeau's misbehaved. He's laughed at other MPs. He's mocked them. He sticks his tongue out while other MPs are talking. Did you know that? He sits in the house and sticks his tongue out. How old is this guy? Oh, wait, he's 44. Be Lil, Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, back in moments. Insurgent. Believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Well, Dins on uh, Twitter disagrees with Chuck, who said uh, Trudeau's behaving like a millennial and that he's smashing cars. I think he was getting at the protest movement that goes on now, but uh, I hear what you're saying, Dinsy. Okay, let me read Dins' tweet. We'll give everyone their say. Uh LOL, what did this guy just say about millennials? What a loser, because all of us smash cars and start fights. You're welcome to call in, Dins. 521-TALK, 521-8255-STAR-580 on Bell Mobility. Gordon in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Good morning, Brian. Morning. Um, I have uh, trouble trusting anything uh, the Prime Minister, any kind of emotion he has. And, uh, like, I would think that to be a leader of a party, you have to have a certain amount of ego and arrogance. 
he always seems to be trying to hit a home run, like his uh, what was perceived as his 2016 quote. Yeah. And Barack Obama sort of alluded to this problem of his at the press gallery dinner. And I, and I, I continually notice this about him, like when Rona Ambrose was uh, getting up and about, uh, you know, the fire in Alberta, and he crosses a floor. And I, th- I think he, he goes into the realm of being clinically narcissistic sometimes. Well, he makes everything about himself. Ron Ambrose gets up, makes a, an emotional speech about Fort McMurray, which is, you know, it's a good drive from her riding, but many people she knows that she represents work up there. He's got to make it about himself by going over to give her a hug. The, continually the, the, does that the about vets, everything. The vets, that's the one that got me. The vets at the Invictus Games announcement doing one-armed push-ups in front of injured vets, in front of people with uh, limbs missing. What are you doing? It's craziness. Yeah, he needs uh, he needs more help than we think. All right. So you you think that overall it's uh, it's part of a pattern for him? There's something about him that uh, it just I cringe when he does this stuff. All right. Thanks. I don't think I think three more years of this will be. I think he'll be uh, hard-pressed to keep it together. Well, we'll see. Uh, so far, liberals love him for it. You Democrats and conservatives, not so much. We'll they don't see how it goes. notice it. Well, they excuse it at every turn. It, yes. They absolutely excuse it at every turn. Thanks for the call, Canadians Gordon. Canadians will stop excusing it. Kathy in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Oh, hi, uh, Brian. Hi. <laughs> yes. Do you remember the interview that he had with uh, Peter Manning, uh, Peter uh, Mansbridge? Yeah, well, uh, he's, had, morning, he's, he's morning, had many. No, it's the the morning that he was uh, that he was elected. Okay, yeah. He was going around at Parliament Hill with his jeans and all this, and you know, this is before that he was uh, uh, inaugurated or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I heard him say, and this has been in my in my mind, you know, since then. He said he was asked a question, and then he turned around. And he said, they'll know who the boss is. Hmm. I don't remember that. I'll have to go I, look that up. Yes, yes. And and from that day on, I thought, you little arrogant so-and-so. You, <laughs> well, know? you should have seen his face last night and the arrogance spread across it, Kathy. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, you, I, that, that'll be up as part of the video in The Rebel shortly. I um, guess. And oh, no, it's, very... uh, it's un- unreal. And, and reporters from all over the place just trying to get him to a- answer a question. He didn't want to do it. No, he's very, very arrogant. And the thing is, too, when he went to Fort Mac there, there was no need for him to take selfies. I mean, you know. Well, if people sad... want to take pictures with him while he's there, I'm not going to uh, begrudge him that. But you know what? He could have just said, come on, you know, this is a sad situation. You know, I'm not taking selfies today. I mean, he could have said that. But, however, I mean, he, he cannot say anything about Trump because they're both in the same paper bag. Thanks for the call, Kathy. Okay. We're going to keep going on this. If you are on the line, we will get to you. We will get to you. And if you want to call and join the conversation, it's 521-TALK, 521-8255. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News, continuing the conversation about JT and the House of Commons. A rebel? 
You know it. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. So we've been talking about Justin Trudeau and his actions last night. We brought you part of his apology earlier. I also played a chunk of his apology last night. Maybe we'll play more of that in a bit. But here's something that I haven't heard anybody else raise yet, and that is the actions of the speaker. Because, first off, it was not Justin Trudeau's job to try and get MPs into their seats for a vote. It is not his job to enforce decorum by force or otherwise. That's the job of the speaker. Did the speaker do his job last night? I would say no, because, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to change order. Can we play the, the manhandle, the short clip of, of Speaker Reagan saying that he manhandled him? Order, 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 order. It is not appropriate to manhandle other members. All right. So the speaker acknowledged that the prime minister manhandled other members of the House of Commons. Yet he did not, he did not discipline him. Lisa McLeod was thrown out of the Ontario legislature for far less. And instead, they're just having a little debate on this. It it made me think of a specific movie. Because I want to ask where Jeff Regan's balls are. No, not in there. There's nothing I could do, Mullins. The FBI has jurisdiction. Maybe they're in here. Maybe they're in here. No. Stop. No, they're not in there. What see. is she doing? No, 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 there. She's looking for my balls. Hey, if anyone sees the captain's balls, let me know. They're about this big, but a lot tinier. They're like a pea or like a, like a ball bearing or like if you've ever seen a mouse ball, about half that size. Incredibly tiny. They're like really, really tiny little girl balls. If little girls had balls. So All if right, so little- if, if anybody's found the speaker's balls, let me know. Because he should have thrown Justin Trudeau out of the chamber last night. That, that is how you deal with that. You can still have the point of order, the point of privilege debates. But why was he not ejected from the House of Commons last night when he acknowledged that the prime minister was manhandling other people? 521 talk, 521 star 580 on Bell Mobility. Vince in Orleans, you're on Beyond the News. Brian, thanks for the opportunity to speak on the CFRA. You are welcome. What are your thoughts on this last night? Just to quickly comment on your last point, uh, I totally agree that the speaker uh, totally abdicated in his uh, leadership uh, capacities yesterday. He he has said that he wants to bring decorum to the House as well and and that he will uh, enforce when when people are heckling too much, he's going to shut them down. Well, last night was beyond heckling. Well, of course, and, and we have all these politicians and, and people in position in the House of Commons that can't walk the talk. I've been watching House of Commons proceedings for over three decades with a lot of interest. And uh, what I saw yesterday was probably the most egregious display of lack of uh, discipline, decorum, and respect for the institution. The proceedings should have stopped right there and immediately. Uh, I'll tell you, Brian, um, I've been a president of large associations for decades. I've uh, written code of conducts myself. I chair discipline committees. And uh, what took place by our prime minister yesterday, uh, which certainly uh, warrants a serious consideration on his part to uh, actually resign. You, you, you know? think it's bad enough that he should resign for as prime minister? No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, You can follow my tweets and everything else. And a lot of people are rewatching these events 
They're listening closely to what was said. They're looking at how genuine the apology was or not. They're looking at the level of sarcasm that is omnipresent whenever he is squeezed or in a difficult position. And uh, honestly, do people want to go forward and see what the next event is going to be like? Some are seriously, seriously considering that this could warrant his reg- uh, resignation consideration on his part. Well, I, I do know that if this had been Stephen Harper, the calls for resignation would have started last night. And how about this House of Commons Discipline Committee, which is stacked with Liberals? Yeah, the Procedure and House Affairs Committee is stacked with Liberals, and and that's they're they're going to they're going to give him a pass. What? You know that they're going to give him a pass. You know, at some point, uh, the Canadian electorate is going to have to realize, wake up, smell the coffee, and see what is going on here. Uh, this is our, our our largest, our most important democratic institution, and it's turned into a circus. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I, I I cannot find the words to demonstrate my level of disgust. I'm at the point where I'm also thinking that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau might actually have some mental health issues, and so that will be up to him to take care of that. Um, you know, I'm I'm I don't know what to say. I'm speaking. He, he's got anger management issues. That much is clear. Vince, thanks for the call. You're- Scott in Lachute, you're on Beyond the News. Uh, good morning, Brian. Morning. Um, you know what? I'm I'm actually starting to get a little worried about the future of our country, not based on what happened in the House, but the reaction since then. I, uh, I'm i in Lachute, as you know, which is halfway Montreal-Ottawa, and when you listen to Montreal Radio this morning, the villain is Ruth Ellen Brasso for being a big faker. And Well, hold on. What radio station are you listening to? Oh, CJAD. Oh, uh, um, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. And when I saw last night, when you looked on Bork last night, the CBC article had a question mark as if, did it really happen? Like, questioning whether it happened or not. And more and I, more... I have to give them, I have to give the state broadcaster, and you know my thoughts on them, Scott, but I have to give them kudos. Last night, they left, uh, they let off uh, Peter's little third watch newscast with uh, with solid reporting on this. I don't think they had a choice because because, because well the, the video reaction. evidence is so uh, overwhelming. Exactly, but this is what concerns me, Brian. I follow things extremely closely. I'm involved in the political system myself. Um, what I'm noticing more and more, I'll give you an example. Canadians did vote for a change in government, but we didn't vote for a change in our democratic systems. And you know, obviously his goal now is to push through something without allowing us to have a referendum as a country. And if you disagree, well, that's because you're a conservative or the media is going to paint you a certain way. It's almost, you know, it's kind of a liberal way, and the media helps with that. If you're against gay marriage, you're a homophobe. If you're not comfortable with the bathroom policies taking place in the States, you're a transphobe. We get bullied. The average person is afraid to speak his mind now because. If the left says something, the media jumps on board, and we get painted in a certain way that people are afraid to speak up now. Yeah, and I'm I'm seeing it more and more. And you know, I, I I honestly I would never have voted for Donald Trump before, but the fact that he drives these bullies on the left crazy makes me want to vote for the guy now. <laughs> I understand what you're saying there, and I think we haven't reached that point in Canada yet. And I'm afraid that we're going to get stuff rammed down our throats that are going to have repercussions for the rest of time. 
because people are afraid to speak up because they don't want to be called uh, global warming deniers, um, homophobes, transphobes. We get called names every time we don't agree, so people stop speaking out. And I think something, I mean, thank God there's um, the rebel, thank God there's Brian Lilly, but if you notice in the States, the chains, Fox News, who started reporting basically on a different angle than the, the CNNs and the NBCs, mm-hmm. you're seeing people's opinions change because now they're seeing the other side of the story. But we don't have that in Canada other than you on the radio show and the rebel because there's nothing else that speaks to anything other than the liberal viewpoint that the rest of us are morons because we disagree and we're, we're dinosaurs, we're homophobes, we're... You know, I don't right. care what people do in their bedroom. I don't think any of us really care. But when you're telling me that it's okay for a 15-year-old boy to go take a shower in a girl's locker room because on this particular day he identifies as a girl, I have a problem with that. And does that make me a hateful homophobe or transphobe? No. But that's what they call you, and that's why people don't speak out anymore. Exactly. Scott, got to run it. to other calls. Thanks for the time. God. Let's go to Darlene in Ottawa. Before we head to the break, Darlene, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Um, I believe we just saw the real Trudeau. So do I. As one man said, it's like peeling back an onion. Um, I had fears for him, you know, during the election campaign. And uh, they're just, they've been coming through since he's, went into office, I believe, in December. I believe he's mentally ill. I don't believe that he... I'm not sure that he's mentally ill. I think he's got anger problems and an oversized ego. I think he's narcissistic and has mental health problems that he should be... that should be looked into. And I believe he should be removed from Parliament, like now. Uh, You know, if he was Jack McLaren, he would be. You're darn right. And he cannot cope with the demands of being leader of Canada. So thus, everything is pushed through, no discussion. As you said, he has disdain for Parliament, but he also has disdain for the ordinary Canadian. He uses those that are photogenic or that will bring enough publicity to him. And if I was Ruth Rousseau or Gordon Brown, I would sue him for assault. This review committee is useless, as you say, or someone said it's stacked with liberals, just like the committee on changing our voting system, six out of ten liberals. I honestly believe he is mentally ill and should not well, be running. I, I believe he shouldn't be running the country, but I wouldn't say he's mentally ill. Thanks for the call, Darlene. Okay, thanks, Brian. If you think that uh, his actions diminish the office of the Prime Minister, though, that's the question. Did his actions diminish the office of the Prime Minister? That's our CFRA web vote right now. You can go to CFRA.com and vote. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News more of your calls. It just keeps rolling on. Everyone wants to have a say. We'll let you. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. 
Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Hi, everyone. Bonjour tout le monde. I'm Justin Trudeau. I want to wish you a happy Pink Shirt Day. Pink Shirt Day started several years ago after a Nova Scotia high school student was bullied for wearing a pink shirt. The next day, many of his classmates showed up to school wearing pink shirts to stand up against bullying. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me is simply not true. Words do hurt, and bullying can leave long-lasting emotional and physical scars. We remember that our differences are a source of strength, not weakness, and that kindness is one-size-fits-all. Hmm. Justin Trudeau denouncing bullying. Huh. Huh. Funny, that. Barry, I'm just going to leave that without comment. Barry, you're on Beyond the News. Yeah, after hearing that, uh, Brian, I think maybe all the uh, opposition, the NDP and the Conservatives should all wear pink shirts. <laughs> the but, you tomorrow. know, Ronna Ambrose did wear a, um, I think she wore a, a pink blazer today in the house. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was trying to watch a little bit of that with the sound down there to see what was going on on the news channel. I think it'll be very interesting. Uh, I don't want to mention uh, the other guy's uh, crappy uh, broadcasting uh, corporation. I can get away with saying that, but I believe uh, the only person I value on there would be uh, nice to hear what Rex Murphy has to say tonight. Uh, that, I believe he comes on on Thursday night. I, I, I don't watch it, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I, no. I, I have other people watch the state broadcaster for me, so I don't have to. It, it's not good for my <laughs> blood pressure. But I, I was told that last night they did a good job, so I went and checked it out. Uh, so I don't have to criticize them. But it was tough to, to do anything but that yesterday because we all saw the video. Yeah. The evidence was clear. As far uh, as the speaker goes, I think uh, we should uh, reinvent uh, something like uh, Chuck Barris and give him a big gong and have a gong show like uh, uh, apparatus up there where if uh, somebody gets too out of order, if he can't control him, he just has a big gong and a big hammer and hits the gong. The uh, That would be an interesting way of doing it. The speaker promised that he would he would bring a different tone and, you know, uh, well, some, it's not like he didn't see it. He said it was manhandling, and then he he let him get away with it. Yeah, I'm not really a political person. Like I don't, you know, say I'm a conservative or a liberal or an NDP, and I always seem to vote for the underdog. Who you know, because whoever's in there, like in Ottawa South, uh, you're trying to get rid of somebody that's been there for years and doesn't seem to do a a good job, or just they're hanging on to the party's coattails, but uh, one thing I did notice about Stephen Harper was it didn't matter how much catcalls or heckling or yells he got from the liberals, he always had some manners and some decorum, and he would just turn and face the speaker and address the speaker. Which is what you're supposed to do in the House. Yeah, and he seemed to have at least some kind of honor and some kind of... uh, presence i think by doing that and even though some of the things he did in parliament i not necessarily agreed with i still think he gave this country a good image i I agree and what john justin trudeau did yesterday that just brings us down to the level level of some of these banana republics where they're all pulling out hidden machetes or things like that having a big brawl i gotta run made me think of taiwan though thanks for the call barry 
I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back with more of your calls, thoughts, and moments. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Still full lines. This is three hour, going on three hours now of taking calls on Justin Trudeau and how he's behaved. So apparently this is something people still want to talk about. Wilma in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, hello, Brian. It seems that people need to talk about it because they like to see what is happening in our country. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many opinions and it's good to air them because they need to express themselves what they see and how they feel about things. Well, how do you feel about what happened last night? And also, how do you feel about uh, the the general tone in the House with the changes that he's making? Well, I feel that he is really the wrong person to be a prime minister. I thought that from the very beginning. I don't think you need to be a psychoanalyst to find that out, that he is not prepared to be what he is today. And he could probably fill a position somewhere else much better. And I feel that he was allowed to come in. That wasn't his fault. People voted him in, and now he's there. And now what are we going to do with it? There's a big ego. There's a big ego. If you're going to put yourself out there to millions of people and say, I I should be prime minister, of course you've got a big ego. Anybody, yes. anybody doing that for any well, party would have to have a big ego. Well, that's true. But now, often, let me tell you, it takes a big uh, ego to sit here on the radio and tell you to listen to me for three, four hours a day. But it's a good ego. You see, there's <laughs> well, two kinds. Ego in a sense for, uh, for others as well, not just for yourself. I mean, the thing, he has to be the one that leads people into a better quality of life in Canada. And um, I can't see that. Do you... Uh, I I don't see that happening when he's trying to take away the levers of democracy that the opposition parties rightfully have, that they have had for a long time, that uh, they used when they were in opposition. Right. Well, I think that he has very, very high ideals, which are not realistic, and he overspends. Uh, Like, there isn't a reality in his leading us. That's what I see. I, I don't want to blacken him in any way, but he can't carry that load, and I, I think he just explodes when he can't do it anymore. The inner self comes out to you know what he really feels. He can't control it. All right. Thanks for the call, Wilma. All right. Bye-bye. Let's go to Jeffrey in the West End. Jeffrey, you're on Beyond the News. The manner in which Trudeau approached the uh, chief whip of the official opposition and the manhandling of that member of parliament clearly are contempt of parliament and an assault an assault which in the traditions of English parliamentary democracy are completely contrary to our traditions and practices of democracy. So the question, Brian, is this. What are the consequences? I agree. Uh, Well, apparently we're still looking for Jeff Regan's falls. Pardon me. (laughs) The speaker should have imposed consequences last night, and he didn't. And sorry if you find that clip I was playing earlier crude, but I'm I'm trying to make a point. Well, in this particular case, Brian, the, the main thing here is this, and I think this is the most disturbing aspect. It is the Liberal caucus 
the way and the manner in which the Liberal caucus yesterday and uh, this morning, I didn't watch all of the proceedings from the Parliament this morning, but I watched enough to know this, that we have a problem. The, the reality is that I doubt very much whether I could identify two or three members of the Liberal caucus who would be disgusted enough to move a motion to ask their fellow members do we still give our support to the chair, in effect, the chair of the Liberal caucus, uh, Jay Trudeau? Because if there were um, people there, and I, I, I'm, I'm making specific references just to the, the local Liberals who have, were elected last October, how many of these individuals really have any broad understanding of what parliamentary democracy is all about? I, I would say that my own MP, David McGinty, would, and I can't David see David McGinty. I can't see David McGinty being happy with this, but I don't expect him to speak out. But I certainly don't expect the member of Parliament for Ottawa West the Peen to open her mouth, specifically and, and together with her fellow female Liberal members of Parliament, to be supportive of the lady who was assaulted, the NDP, uh, Brusso who got hit in the chest. Mm -hmm. But the main thing, again, is this. There are important lessons to draw. And as I was saying to a friend of mine last night, well, thank you, uh, Yahweh, for this gift, because it couldn't come at a better time. This is the same party under this, their glorious leader who are attempting to subvert the manner in which we elect members of parliament. Mm -hmm. And here is this individual's act of parliamentary contempt. Now, the, the reality then here again is this, and I, I hope that callers who follow can continue to proceed with this. What are the consequences going to be? What will the speaker do? Will the speaker officially find the actions of uh, Jay Trudeau, prime minister of this country, in contempt of the parliament and uh, an outrageous assault upon the rights and privileges of two members of the parliament, specifically the chief whip of the conservative uh, well, opposition. Jeffrey, you, you mentioned assault. Let me just read to you section 265 of the Criminal Code of Canada. This is the Criminal Code passed by the very parliament that this happened in. It reads, a person commits assault when, without the consent of another person, he applies force intentionally to that other person directly or indirectly. So it meets the definition of assault by the law that this very parliament passed. We'll see if something happens. Thanks for the call, Jeffrey. You're welcome. Let's go to Matt in Ottawa. Matt, you're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Yes. I've been listening to some of your callers here, and, and I have to observe that I think some of the comments are a little over the top about this particular event. But what In what, what way? It, well, I don't know that calling him mentally ill... Well, I or, I did challenge uh, that, but people oh, no, will have I, their own opinions. Yeah, no, no, that's for sure. I'm just saying that I, I think that those are overstated a little, but that's that's their right to express those views. Mine is that this guy, this, this is more proof, if anyone's paying attention, that this guy is a complete phony. That's what bothers me the most about it. Okay, this guy, explain yourself in that way. This guy... Um, ever since he became leader of the party, but particularly during the campaign. And, you know, enough people actually bought his, his act that they elected him to a majority government. This guy says that he's offering a new way of governing, more collaborative, nicer, sunnier, more pleasant, less confrontational. Um, all of these sorts of lovely things that he's been representing himself and his party as being all of that. 
and that he's of the people, that he's, you know, he, he's right in there in the trenches with all of the downtrodden and the less fortunate and all of that baloney. This guy acts like he's Henry VIII, and this is just another example of it. This guy is an entitled, unqualified person, other than simply being elected. This guy has no idea what next word is going to come out of his mouth. This guy overstates the case. He makes himself the focus of absolutely everything. Um, even the smallest initiative of the government is expressed by this person as though he's bringing the Ten Commandments down from the mountain with that kind of tone, and it's just creepy. It's just so obviously fake, and I don't understand why Canadians keep backing the guy up. Here's just another example. I mean, he, he, he doesn't have enough patience to wait for a bunch of MPs to get to their seats because he's in such a hurry to pass his precious legislation. He, and he, could, like... he could have stood and asked for the Speaker to call them to order. I mean, that's the Speaker's job, not his to shove them into seats. Oh, yeah, he could have done a great many things. But my point is this. He didn't do those things because he actually believes that his own personal superiority and that of his government trumps any kind of appropriateness of behavior or proper procedure. He thinks the rules don't apply to him. He's telling us that he's a collaborative, nice person who, <laughs> who loves every Canadian dearly, and we see that actually that's not the, tru the truth. This guy, this guy thinks he's from the royal family of Canada, and so do so many other people. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, if Pierre Elliott Trudeau came on the television, my father would sort of like start convulsing and, and bursting into profanities. My mother would always come and turn off the TV. So Pierre Elliott Trudeau wasn't that popular towards the end of his time. But now we look back in history, Pierre Elliott Trudeau was like, I don't know, Moses or something. And his son is the rightful descendant and heir of that legacy. And I think it's an embarrassment. That's what I think. All right. Thanks for the call, Matt. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's go to uh, Marie in Montreal. Marie, you're on Beyond the News. Uh, yes, hello. Hello. Uh, I've been listening to your program. I, I like listening to your program. <laughs> There's nothing uh, comparable in Montreal. Thank you for that. Yes. So I just want to say about Justin Trudeau, I, I'm not for him or against him. I just find that there's just so many comments. What I feel and uh, what I feel when I felt from the beginning, my brother is bipolar. And I know all the symptoms, and I think that's what's wrong with him. And I think that there's going to be a lot more cases where you're going to see erratic behavior. Usually when he's in a bad spell, it's when he stutters. That means he's going at a, another spell. But he's probably on medication. But I just feel sorry for him. That's all. It's, it's, uh, you, yeah, you've got to be the at least half a dozen people have called up to mention mental illness today. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go that route, but we'll listen and let people have their say. Well, I, I mean, it's uh, his mother is bipolar, and that's this hereditary. is true. I mean, it, it, and, uh, it, it could I've be. I've I'm seen just it not... and seen it, and my mother and I, I just go, did you see him? It's just like my brother, you know, like so many things. And I'm sure he does things he would never in his life think of doing, like what he did. Yesterday, I'm sure that man would never act that way. It's just that that's why, like, today he's, like, so... And I'm sure using an F word is probably something he never does in his life. You know, like, my brother never swore in his life when he'd go in those states, he'd swear like a trooper. You know, like, it's just... Uh, 
I, I think the question should be, I mean, rather, you know, you think he, he should be prime minister. I mean, now we have all these laws. We can't really discriminate. But I mean, uh, if you know what it is, and I think that's why his wife needed extra help. All right. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll wrap up with calls in a moment, and uh, and then we're going to move on because I've had my fill of Trudeau talk for now, and I don't want to lose my sanity. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, back in moments. To the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. I shouldn't be surprised that you, the audience, are all worked up of, uh, on this story. I've just sat for the first time during the show. I've been pacing the entire time. Normally do the show sitting. I've been standing or pacing the entire time. Let's get, try, I'm going to try and get through as many calls as I can uh, via in Ottawa. You're on Beyond the News. Yes, hello. Um, I'm not a caller, so I'm a bit nervous, but uh, I've uh, wanted to comment on Justin Trudeau for a very long time. Fire away. I'm not surprised at Justin Trudeau's actions yesterday at all. I find him to be um, an angry drama queen, and he's sort of a wolf in sheep's clothing. I knew he was a drama person from the time of his father's eulogy. And I knew he was angry man when he uttered the word disgusting. And I can't really remember exactly, but the tone was very angry, full of anger and hate. And it had something to do with, uh, I think, Stephen Harper and maybe the little Syrian boy who drowned. And um, I wish I, I knew exactly to quote that. And I also find that he is very angry during question period because his responses are always shouted. He's just not having like well, a Norman You know, Via, I can point to him calling Peter Kent a piece of S in the House of Commons. Yeah. Uh, a CBC reporter dared ask a tough question of him one time. And he turned and accused this guy of being with Sun Media, and that's why he was asking him a tough question. Yeah. He used to run away from Faith Goldie and uh, Marissa Semkew, our reporters. Uh, yeah. I could go on and on. He, he threatened to leave Canada if, yes. if if Stephen Harper won. Yes. He's just uh, very angry, and from the time he's in, he's trying to sort of uh, demolish everything that uh, was brought in and trying to really do the opposite of uh, what we're sort of used to. And so I'm really, I've been very concerned all along, and so this is really not a surprise to me. Thanks for the call, Via. Thank you. Let's go to Teresa in Iroquois. You're on Beyond the News. Hi. I'm calling because I'm I, I think maybe some people have missed something. You played a clip earlier about how he um, likes the way China's dictatorship are getting thing, things done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he wants to run Canada as a dictatorship, just as China does. And uh, he's trying to get rid of everything that anybody else has done before. He's trying, he's trying to get rid way. of the ability of opposition parties or regular Canadians to have a say. That's right, and he wants everything his own way, and nobody's going to have any say. And that's my opinion. All right. We Th- have to look out. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye. Let's go to Albert in Thunder Bay. Albert, go. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon. I think it's time the adults in the Liberal Party stepped up to the plate and took some of these short-pant kids to the woodshed and taught them some manners. 
Look, Justin Trudeau's not a kid. He's 44. He's a middle-aged well, man. He, he should like know how. To, he should know how to behave. He, he's got three children of his own. Don't don't excuse him by saying he's a young guy. Well, he sure acts like like a very young guy. Yeah, well, that may be true. Anyway, where where does he get the idea that Canadians are looking to him for leadership? Well, uh, he I, did I, win I, the election. I wouldn't, I wouldn't follow Justin Trudeau across the street. He did win the election. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Albert. Okay. All right, that's going to wrap it for today on Justin Trudeau. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all the calls, but I mean they, they were coming in until moments ago, people calling in to, uh, to have their say on this. You can still join the conversation over at Facebook, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. You won't believe how many times my, uh, my video, the raw video, has been viewed. Just posted my, um, my video reaction for The Rebel. Make sure you go on, share that, spread it around, because you know a lot of your friends aren't going to be getting the real news. If they're not listening here, they're not going to get it. So go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. Hit share. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. You ever fascinated by the Bermuda Triangle? I remember being just in awe of this when I was a kid. And now my kids are getting into things. Oh, Bermuda Triangle, how does it work? Well, this weekend on Discovery, they're going to bring you the original a special presentation of Bermuda Triangle, the definitive guide. It investigates the unresolved disappearance of ships and planes. That comes up this Sunday. Neil Durst joins me now on the line. Neil, uh, Phil is in on this. I mean, I'm just getting excited again like a little kid going, ooh, Bermuda Triangle. Do, do things really disappear down there? Well, yes, but uh, I think you'll find if you watch the special... A lot of the disappearances have a very pragmatic uh, answer. I'm afraid it's not quite the, uh, the, 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 uh, the mysterious answers that you're looking for. Okay, so now I'm not going to have fun watching the show? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, but it, it's not maybe not quite the, uh, the, the mystery show that you're hoping for. It's, it's more pragmatic, uh, more scientific, and... and I, I, I think it it really helps people to understand things better, though. All right. Bermuda Triangle, the definitive guide, is going to air Sunday, May 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern on Discovery and Discovery Go. So it, instead of it being this bizarre, mysterious force that we can't place our fingers on, what are you looking at then? Natural forces like weather? Yes. I mean, is this an area with just very specific weather patterns? Yes, uh, obviously it's in the middle of uh, Hurricane Alley, uh, but in addition you have a lot of just like afternoon thunderstorms that can be very severe. You have water spouts, and you have a phenomenon uh, called a white squall that we go into in quite a bit in, in, the, in the program, uh, which can uh, sink a, a sailing ship very rapidly. The white squall. So what is a white mm -hmm. squall then? It's essentially uh, what we now, meteorologists now call a downburst, and it's when a, 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 a rain shaft collapses and so forth and sends out this huge and very violent gust of wind in all directions. 
And the problem is that since you're at some distance away from where the actual rain was falling and where the storm clouds were, sailors at sea wouldn't be prepared for this oncoming onslaught of wind, and they'd be caught unawares and maybe blindsided or, or you know, taken uh, from the side by the wind and, and tipped over. And, uh, you know, once the, the sailing ship is tipped over, uh, you know, water flows in the hatches, and down she goes. There's also been a, a loss of planes, though, in the area. It, yes. Is that the same phenomenon? Is it the white squalls? Is, uh, well, is it, it something could, else? Well, as I say, there's quite a number of different phenomena, weather phenomena, that can affect uh, aircraft. Uh, if, a, if a plane is flying too low, yes, a, a white squall could probably take it down. Uh, but, however, you know, you also have uh, people that uh, fly through thunderstorms and so forth not thinking that they're that bad and... Uh, get into trouble, but also uh, other than weather phenomenon, you have mechanical failure, and uh, even in the case of the infamous Flight 19, uh, it it was a matter of human error that the, the leader of the squadron didn't realize that he was no longer down in the Florida Keys, but over the Bahamas, and so he tried to fly the the, the squadron north to intercept Florida, but he was just flying further out to sea. Help us understand where the Bermuda Triangle runs from, because I'm looking at it on a map. <laughs> right. And, I mean, it is a generalized area, but when I'm looking right. at it on one of the maps that shows you water depth, right? this is, it looks like it's just off the shelf where it starts to, the water starts to drop off dramatically. I'm guessing right. that might that might play a role, that it's very different than in and around Cuba or Haiti, where those islands are on the the continental shelf, let's say. Well, yeah, I mean, there are parts of the, well, the, the supposedly the triangle goes from Miami to San Juan to Bermuda. And included in that are some very shallow waters in the Bahama Banks, but also some deep water, you know, towards the, the, uh, the island of Bermuda. Uh, but I think that uh, well, I like to say is the Bermuda Triangle is the world's most flexible polygon because anytime there's a disappearance or some mysterious happening anywhere in the Atlantic, in the Caribbean, in the Gulf of Mexico, people blame it on the Bermuda Triangle. So its, it's boundaries are always sort of expanding to take in anything. So, I mean, and then and that, as I say, is part of the, part of the, uh, the allure is that, you know, well, you know, something happens over by the Canary Islands, you know, a, a ship go, goes missing or something, all of a sudden it's in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Speaking with Neil Dorst, and uh, Neil, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Uh, Dorst. Dorst, yeah. okay. Neil Dorst, uh, about the upcoming special that he's part of called Bermuda Triangle, The Definitive Guide. It'll air Sunday, May 22nd at 9 p.m. on Discovery. Um and, you know, Neil, I'm probably going to watch, even though I'm not going to find out that everything's really spooky and weird. That might actually make me feel better for traveling down right. that way. But you also do look at some uh, some claims, some phenomena that have nothing to do with weather. There, yeah. was, there was a claim of time-shifting fog. And I've even read the description, and I'm not sure I know what the claim was or what right. it means. But you look into this. Tell us that story. Uh, well, I, I don't have the particulars on hand, but uh, the gentleman was flying from uh, the Bahamas to Miami, and he, he claimed he went through a tunnel of clouds. And I, 
I try to explain what he might have seen there, but he also claimed that he was a, a, a some sort of fog clung to his ship, and when he landed in Miami, it was actually before the time he took off in the Bahamas. That's his claim. Uh, you said 1970. I'm thinking drugs. <laughs> well, anyway, as as I say, I you know I wasn't on the flight, so I don't know exactly what he saw or what he experienced. You know, I can't speak to that. But I did try to give a, a logical explanation for some of the things he claimed he saw. And, you know, it's, it's normal weather down here uh, where you can have these sort of tunnels of clouds between thunderheads and so forth. So, you know, I mean, you can't give an explanation for everything because, you know, you don't have the evidence for everything that happened on that flight. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to go by his word on what he experienced but uh uh you know i mean he ha- he'll have to, uh, to 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 do more than that just to to prove that he went he traveled through time okay and, <laughs> and then finally we've all heard of ufo's but uuos unidentified underwater objects those right. are new to me but there was a soviet submarine commander mm-hmm. in the 80s claiming what right. <laughs> Well, claiming that uh, their their sonar picked up uh, objects traveling very rapidly near his, and that they affected the electronics on the on the sub and so forth, you know, I I have to think that a Soviet submarine commander is probably a little more comfortable thinking it's uh, you know extraterrestrial aliens than that the United States Navy was spoofing his sonar, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with spoofing the sonar. Right. Yeah, Neil, thank, thanks for the time. Uh, speaking with Neil Dorst, if you want to catch the show, it is Bermuda Triangle, The Definitive Guide. It's going to air Sunday, May 22nd at 9 p.m. on Discovery. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. He's hated in official Ottawa, which is okay in our books. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Ottawa citizen columnist Randall Denley joins me now. His latest piece says uh, there's more green energy mismanagement to come in Ontario. Hey, Randall, let me start by asking you, how can you say that? Based on the history of green energy management, the history of this current government and their their brilliant plans for the energy program. How can you say there's going to be more mismanagement? It's just a wild guess, really, but if you look at the entire history of the thing, <laughs> it's hard to see it going in any other direction, unfortunately. So we've got, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I am believing these leaks that uh, the Globe and Mail has because I think somebody on the inside gave them working documents on the plan that we expect to see in the next few weeks. Yeah, that's the, certainly their thesis. It looks like somebody in cabinet doesn't like this and they want to make sure the public knows about it before it, uh, the government would like them to, which is an interesting development, if so. On the other hand, it could probably just as easily be a trial balloon to, to float this out and we'll see, well, what do people hate the most? And then maybe they can change that and say, look at how good it is now. Yeah. Whoa, they were only, they were going to make us buy 1.7 million electric cars. Now it's just 1.1. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad when you put it that way, does it? Uh, the electric car issue, and the move from natural gas to uh, electricity. Hey, first off, Glenn Murray 
claiming, well, I never said I was going to ban electric, uh, natural gas. No, he didn't. He just said we're going to have to get find different ways and we're going to have to move off of it. And you're, he was going to be pushing it. He said that in the legislature. But this push for both electric heat at home and electric cars, I view it as potentially just them trying to find more customers for this Hydro One monstrosity that they've got their hands on, of which they want to sell more shares on the stock market. It does kind of jump out at you that way, doesn't it? I mean, it's actually, it would benefit Hydro One. It would benefit uh, Ontario Power Generation even more. They haven't said yet that they're going to sell that one, although I wouldn't be surprised if they do down the line. But it's, yeah, there's something I think fundamentally distasteful about the fact that we have a government-run electricity company and a government that's really twisting around uh, consumer preference to say, uh, hey, everybody has to buy electricity. And you have to buy it at the price we set. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We sell electricity. What a surprise. <laughs> if any other type of corporate entity was doing that, people would think it was outrageous. But, but I, I, do, I do think that the, securities, uh, the Ontario Securities and Exchange Commission should be looking into this. We'll see if they do, but I think they should be. You write in your column that um, you know, they're looking at these millions of electric cars by uh, 2024. We're... In 2016 and last year, there were fewer than 6,000 electric cars sold in Ontario. I, I mean, I, I'm shocked it was it. that low. And, and the people who actually produce cars have made it really clear it's a fantasy. There aren't going to be that volume of vehicles. Even the public said, we demand these cars. They're not geared up to produce these things, not even close. And there's such limited public interest in them. And there have been actually substantial government subsidies on these things up to now. So it's not that the new, uh, you know, astonishing $14,000 subsidy is right out there. It's higher, I think, than what we've seen previously. But it's not a new concept by any stretch of the imagination. So what is going to turn this around and, and convince all these people that they want these cars but even if that were so, you know, the auto industry says we're just not going to be making them. I mean, they're, the electric car, the plug-in electric car, it's a tiny, tiny niche product that is of interest to fewer than 1% of car buyers. And yeah, if you're somebody who needs a, a pickup truck for work or a van to carry your kids around, there are real, really no viable options there for people. So I, I think, you know, those people who require a larger vehicle are just going to be subsidizing whatever tiny slice of the population that says, um, you know, I look really cool in a Chevy Bolt or a Nissan Leaf. I'm going to go get one. And you, my neighbors, are going to help me pay for it. Yeah, that's essentially what it comes down to, subsidizing people to make them feel good about their choices. Yeah, it's, you know, I and, and they tend to be wealthier. To I, I don't want to get into the whole um, class warfare thing here, Randall, but these are expensive cars. The uh, the Chevy Spark starts at $11,000 for the base model, the regular gasoline one. It's three times that for the electric one. So the average person is not going to be buying them. They're going to be subsidizing some guy who has a lot of money to buy a car that he just feels will make him feel better. Yeah, you think that would be a reward in itself, wouldn't you? Here I am driving this car. I'm fighting climate change. I'm a better person than you. <laughs> why do you have to be subsidized to do it? If it's obviously <laughs> such a good thing to do, right-thinking people would surely just do it. 
But I think this government's never really understood that most people live on a budget, and a lot of those budgets are tight. So when you talk about a lot of these changes, how are people supposed to pay for them? This whole natural gas thing, I found that quite interesting because it, it kind of came out of the blue, I thought. And if you want to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, yes, you know, natural gas clearly a factor in that. Three-quarters of Ontario homes are heated that way. But you say to people, oh, well, go solar, or, uh, well, that's not going to heat your house. Or uh, get one of those um, in-ground heat pump systems. Well, they take a lot of space people typically don't have. Okay, really what we mean is buy an electric furnace. It'll only cost you two or $3,000 more a year to operate. Well, we don't worry, we'll subsidize that for you in some is-yet-to-be-defined way. And people spend so much money on electricity now, and it goes up so rapidly. Why would anybody want to tie their home heating to that? It's already bad enough you have to pay for it on your power bill. Why hooking your home heating to it, too? You know, surely we live in a country where people should at least be allowed to choose how they like to heat their home. Well, no, not like a pretty com- fundamental freedom to me. <laughs> not in the command but, and control not- economy of Kathleen Wynne. And the, you know, the odd part about the, the attack on natural gas, Brian, is that you know Ontario relies substantially on natural gas for its own power generation. So we're saying to everybody, hey, use electricity. Where does that come from? About 10% of it comes from natural gas. And a lot more of it could come from natural gas. We actually use these plants that we spend, corporations have spent billions building and we've signed long-term deals to take. So after having set up a whole regime of wind and solar backed up by natural gas, now suddenly natural gas is no good. Does, it, it doesn't have to make sense, Randall. It just has to fit the agenda and their ideology. And um, It's perfectly. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Okay, you can pleasure. read Randall uh, Denley's latest column in the Ottawa Citizen. Make sure you check it out. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. We've been having the debate about uh, so-called safe injection sites. As I like to say, there's nothing safe about shooting heroin into your veins. I've noticed that people are now starting to say, no, not safe injection sites. Uh, We need to talk about supervised injection sites. Well, I don't care if it's supervised or or what. It, it, It is... To me, it's not the way to go. It's, it's, anyways, this is the debate going on. But right now, I want to introduce you to a man named Marshall Smith. He's someone that I was uh, um, honored to interview on television a couple of years back. He's someone that worked at the highest levels of the government of British Columbia and then went from that to sleeping in back alleys to living the life of not just someone who was silently dealing with addiction, as so many people do in their homes and regular neighborhoods across the country, but in a very public way. Marshall, thanks for the time today. Good to have, good to be on the show, Brian. Good to hear you. Uh, tell people a bit of your backstory. Where did you come from, and where did you end up before getting into uh, treatment program, into recovery, and turning your life back around? How how high did you rise before you fell to the bottom? Well, Brian, you know, like many other Canadians uh, from coast to coast, uh, I was raised in a great country and a fantastic family. Uh, I had a good upbringing uh, and all of my needs uh, were met seemingly. 
Unfortunately, in the background, I had the genetic predisposition to addiction. I was alcoholic. And uh, it's a progressive disease that got worse for me over time and followed me through my professional career. Uh, I worked in law enforcement for, uh, for uh, over a decade and then moved on into, into uh, government service, uh, where I wound up as chief of staff for the uh, 2010 Olympic uh, Winter Games bid in, in British Columbia. Uh, during that time, uh, you know, I worked very hard. Uh, and uh, my condition got worse and worse, and it wound up with me, uh, you know, experimenting with uh, drugs, uh, which uh, became out of control. Uh, and I gave up my office and in the legislature and put on a backpack and hit the streets of Vancouver, where I lived as a homeless addict for years in the throes of addiction in the back alleyways of uh, our infamous so, downtown east side. So you've lived on the streets of the downtown east side. Indeed, for, for years. All wow. around that. Yeah. I, um, very, very I, 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 very... I walk through them. It's, it's not a nice area. Uh, it's not at all. Some very, very sick uh, individuals down there, for sure. So that's when? Early 2000s? Uh, <clears throat> that would be mid, mid-2000s. Um, you know, the, the great part of the, of the story and the part which I really like to tell uh, these days uh, is the journey to recovery, which is, uh, I think, an important part of the conversation around addiction in our communities. We focus so much on the carnage that addiction brings, and rightfully so. It's very scary. It's a very serious problem, uh, and we should be spending time and energy looking at the harms that that addiction brings to our community. What we often don't talk about is the millions of Canadians from coast to coast who are living in short and long-term sustained recovery from addiction to alcohol and other drugs. Thousands of Canadians get well from this disease every year, you know, proving that recovery is possible and sustainable. And and we don't have that conversation enough. Uh, Often it seems uh, when we listen to public health officials, the media, uh, we want to talk about, you know, the crisis of addiction and the carnage that is out there without presenting, uh, you know, some very real solutions to communities. So we're having part of that discussion here. I don't know if you want to dive into the uh, supervised injection site debate, but um, that seems to be the only direction that people want to go here. Do you have other routes that people can or should consider? Well, what I want to talk about is investments into into recovery capital in communities. And and one of the ways that we do that is to uh, have a discussion, A, a to, to have a conversation in communities about the reality of recovery, uh, to, uh, to understand that people get well from this illness, uh, and that that requires an investment in recovery-focused capital. Um, for sure, Brian, there are people in our communities and in urban areas who are marginalized on the streets, and they may well require a very unique, uh, you know, set of interventions. But quite frankly, the vast majority of those in our communities uh, are living in suburban homes, uh, going to work every day. Uh, they are often, um, you know, highly placed. Uh, people working, you know, working every day like you and I, uh, 
silently suffering the disease of addiction in their homes and in their workplaces. And they require a very different type of intervention than, than the debate, which is, you know, taking off in, in uh, Ontario right now. Of course, we've been through that here in British Columbia, so we're very familiar with what you're going through. But um, the big show, the vast majority of people, when we talk about alcoholism and addiction, uh, they are not living on the streets. They are not marginalized people. They are not, uh, you know, living, living in, in the back alleys as, as I was. So, so for them, uh, we have to talk about, well, for everybody, we have to talk about recovery. Uh, we have to talk about a drug-free life. We have to talk about uh, improved health. We have to talk about a uh, positive engagement in citizenship. Uh, those are the things that recovery brings to communities. So you're going to be doing a survey of people that are living in recovery, and this is going to be coast-to-coast? So this is a this is a very interesting project. I sit on a the ten person national recovery council. It's um, it is a uh, committee uh, that reports into the Canadian Centre on Substance Abuse, uh, and we as a, a national committee in conjunction with the CCSA, which is doing fantastic work in this area, uh, have launched the uh, Life at Canadian Life in Recovery survey, uh, which is for the first time in Canada. Uh, Canadians in recovery are being surveyed about their experiences and their outcomes, the type of programs that they use, how they got well. Uh, We need to have uh, more research in this area. Typically, research into addiction uh, is focused on uh, the disease. Most of it's pharmaceutical in nature. Uh, We have a lot that we need to know and discover about the millions of Canadians who have gotten well from this disease. And we need to begin to base public health policy based on what's worked. So we're going out, uh, we're surveying, uh, it's a national population survey from coast to coast, www.lifeinrecoverycanada.ca. We'll repeat that a few more times on the show, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, And take the survey. If you are a Canadian in recovery, uh, you should take the survey uh, it's an anonymous survey, and um, and uh, we will... I was going to ask about that because, well, I, I know many people who are addicts in recovery that are very yeah. open. Others don't want to talk about it. Many are not, and that is just fine, and there's a lot of room for them. Uh, it is a totally anonymous survey. It doesn't track your information at all, uh, but uh, it, it's a very in-depth survey. It's going to take you about 30 minutes to complete, and, uh, and we will take that information and that will inform uh, the policy discussion around recovery going forward. So this is a very important moment for the recovery community uh, in Canada. Why hasn't this sort of thing been done before? Uh, you know, we seem to talk past each other on solutions for getting people into recovery or for dealing with addictions. But why hasn't this been done before to say, OK. We know there's millions of people out there that, that have done this. What, what did they do? What worked? Yeah. What didn't? What, why, why, never, why hasn't this been studied? Well, I think, you know, historically there's been a lot of stigma and shame around, uh, you know, coming forward and, and admitting that you are addicted. Uh, there's a lot of denial that's associated with this. There's a lot of secrecy in families and workplaces around this issue. And quite frankly, the majority of programs that people use to, uh, you know, to find recovery are anonymous. 
So typically it's been very difficult to access this community. Uh, lately, uh, there's a huge recovery advocacy movement that's taking place from coast to coast where, uh, you know, we have the recovery community in Canada now unifying around key priorities to bring attention and resources to this very important issue. It makes absolute sense to us uh, as people in recovery who have beat this disease um, that we have a conversation about the successes and use that to inform the public health approach going forward. Speaking with Marshall Smith, he is a former high-level bureaucrat turned addict, turned his life around, and now he's working on the Life and Recovery Study We'll give out the website again in a minute, but I, I know that your your news release cited an estimated $39.8 billion cost to the Canadian economy, and that's from a study that's several years old. So this is something that is, um, it, it, whether you are addicted or re- related to somebody or not, this is something that has an impact on all of our lives. Very significant, Brian. A conservative estimates have found that about of Canadians met the criteria for a diagnosis of substance use disorder. And and as you've said, uh, the costs associated with alcohol and drug use uh, to our economy is about $39.8 billion, or about $1,300 for every Canadian uh, per year. It's really significant. The even more so, the, uh, the significance, that, that number grows, of course, when you add in the family members and the workplaces uh, that are around uh, an addicted person. Uh, the human cost associated with substance use, uh, abuse, and addiction is just staggering to our economy. And, uh, you know, this is something that we have to grapple with. Of course, we in British Columbia are battling with a very significant uh, opiate uh, crisis, which I I know that you are in Ontario as well. Much of that is prescription fueled. Uh, And so when it comes to our healthcare systems, we are really going into a very scary time where we're combating what I consider to be an iatrogenic epidemic, which means it's an epidemic that's being fueled by the healthcare system itself. Uh, uneducated doctors, poor public health policy, um, you know, uh, different opiate maintenance therapies uh, like methadone, uh, for example, in British Columbia, which now make up about 25% of all opiate overdose fatalities in this province. So uh, the medical community, and the government uh, really need to sort some things out around education on this issue. And we have to keep recovery at the forefront of our goal. We have to point at the horizon and say that, you know, our goal is a drug-free community where people can get their lives back on track, where they can improve their health, uh, where we're not just measuring if people are less sick, uh, but getting involved in measuring whether they're more well. And that's right. uh, pretty Marshall, can you give out the website one more time if people are interested? Absolutely. It's www.lifeinrecoverycanada.ca, and the survey will be open until the 1st of June, lifeinrecoverycanada.ca. I encourage anybody who's in recovery uh, in Ontario, certainly across the country, to go and take the survey. It won't take long, and uh, we need your voice. All right, and if you can't find it or you're driving and you, you couldn't remember it, 
I'll make sure I post a link to uh, to the survey on my Facebook page. Marshall, thanks for the time. All the best. You're welcome, Brian. Take care. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Final thoughts when we come back and some news we didn't get to because of the Justin Trudeau wrestling match. Beyond the News, back in moments. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So, a lot of talk about Justin Trudeau today. On any other day, this next story that I'm going to tell you about might have been dominating the the airwaves. And I'm sure it will to a degree, but not right now. Pamela Wallen not facing charges. Hmm. Hmm. It comes just weeks after Mike Duffy was cleared on every single count. 31 criminal charges against Mike Duffy. There was an ongoing RCMP investigation into Wallen's Senate expenses. Thankfully for her, the saga is over. Now, Mac Harb and his trial is sl- slated to begin shortly. I don't know when. That was always put off and put off and put off because of what was going on with Duffy. We'll find out what goes on with, with Harb. And while Patrick Brazo has bigger issues to deal with at the moment. But now that she's not facing charges, uh, I believe she was already reinstated in the Senate, so she doesn't have to worry about that and getting her paycheck. But so much of what was deemed to be the criminal aspects of the Harper conservatives before the election just going away. Fascinating that. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, unfortunately, we could not get to your emails. I was slammed with phone calls all through the show, and this is a call-in show, so I didn't get to the emails. But I promise you, I will take time, read them all. We may get more of them later on, uh, or get to more of them tomorrow. We'll see. But I do appreciate getting the emails. You have thoughts, you want to email to me, it's beyondthenews at cfra.com. Beyondthenews at cfra.com. Uh Frank wrote in, the reason why Trudeau was so PO'd with the delay was it was cutting into time for his next magazine interview, state dinner, TV, travel show, uh, radio spot, magazine photo shoot. There's a bit of truth in that, Frank. He had an event he wanted to go speak at. Claire writes in, can you imagine if he had to go to a hospital emergency room where the average wait is 3 to 15 hours? With his dictator attitude, he would destroy the place. I don't know. He had to He had to wait. A whole 46 seconds, that's what threw him into the outrage. And uh, let's see, one more. Jamie writes in, Whenever the Tories screwed up, CFRA phone lines would light up with angry conservative voters demanding better. I have never heard a liberal supporter criticize anything their leader or party, uh, even when they screw up big time. There is definitely a difference when it comes to accountability. Very true on that. And people think we don't criticize conservatives here. Absolutely do. Thanks for listening today. That wraps the show for now. As always, remember, I'm on your side.